Welcome to the Your Virtual Upline Podcast. My name is Bob Heilig, your host and the founder of Your Virtual Upline. This is the podcast for the new wave of network marketing leaders that want to make an impact and aren't just building a downline, they're building a better world. Join us each week and learn how to build a profitable network marketing business that gives you complete freedom so that you can give back to the world in an even bigger way. Welcome, everybody, to episode 103 of the podcast. And today I've got another very special guest with me. I'm going to be joined by Lara Casey of Cultivate What Matters. If you're not familiar with Lara, and her company, Cultivate What Matters. I highly recommend that you check them out. You know, I was first made aware of Lara and her company about six months ago. My company has been going through kind of a branding process where we hired a brand consultant. They've been helping us with messaging and really kind of coming up with how do we want to position ourselves in the marketplace that's different. And, you know, as you know, we've kind of shifted gears and We've really gone down this path of like faith-based and purpose-driven, building network marketing businesses that have meaning behind them. And going through the process of working with this branding consultant, she brought up Cultivate What Matters. And she said, hey, you really need to check this company out. They're doing some incredible things in the area of time management and goal setting, but they really do it from the foundation of purpose and meaning. And it is a, a faith-based company. And I started looking at some of Lara's stuff. She's a best-selling author. She's written several books. I got a couple of her books and I started reading and I was like hooked from the very beginning. I said, oh my God, like my audience, if they already don't know who she is, they need to because this message that she has is so strong and so powerful. So I reached out to her. I said, hey, look, I'd love to have you be on the show. She graciously agreed and her and I sat down for an absolutely incredible interview. I can't wait to share it with you. Some of the things that we talk about, the title of the episode is Choosing Purpose Over Perfect. And we really, really go deep into this idea of building a business from something that is much more meaningful. We talk a lot about the trappings of the world that we live in, the ego image-driven world of social media and how it's so easy as entrepreneurs to get trapped in this achievement mindset and thinking that we need to become this perfect version of ourselves. And we put on this false front of acting like we're someone that we're not. And what happens is this chase for perfection, this striving to always look perfect and to be achieving, 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 thinking that it's never good enough. It really does cause a lot of issues. It it gets us out of alignment in our lives. And, you know, Lara and I talk a lot about this in this interview. We talk and we really dive deep into the issues of surrender and the relationship that surrender has when it comes to purpose. We talk a lot about the power of putting love at the center of your business. Purpose is something that comes out of love. We talk about identity. Lara shares her own personal story of her journey, her faith journey, and how her faith and her business identities intersected and and what that did for her in her life. And I just know that you all are going to Absolutely love her if you haven't heard of her already. I know that you're going to get a ton out of this discussion. And then, you know, the final thing that I loved is she and I have just this kind of honest discussion around spirituality and the role that God plays in our business and in our life. And, 
you know, regardless of your beliefs, and, and you all know that we are welcoming of all people of all different beliefs, but it's really just getting clear on this idea that there is a higher power that's at play in your business and directing the steps of your life. So without further ado, I'm going to turn it over to the interview. I can't wait for you to hear it. And I'll check back with you when we're all done. All right, everybody. So I am super excited for today's interview. As you all know, I don't do a lot of interviews on the podcast. I mean, we've had by the time this publishes over a hundred episodes, and I've probably done last less than a half dozen interviews. And this is somebody that I absolutely know is going to have a message for us today that is going to be powerful. It's going to resonate with all of you. And I think more than anything, you all that have been following me, you've been following this kind of faith journey that I've been on. And I wanted to have this person kind of share her perspective. So I'm sure a lot of you will already be familiar with the work that she does over at Cultivate What Matters. But I am very, very honored and, and grateful to have Mrs. Lara Casey on with us today. Lara, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, this is a joy. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So I know a lot of my listeners are like freaking out right now because they're like, oh my God, she's on the podcast. And, <laughs> um, so I'm happy to have you. But for the benefit of anybody that's not familiar with your work and what you do, could you give us a little bit of a rundown on kind of what you do? Yes. You got it. Well, it's funny. It's, you're saying people are freaking out. I'm thinking they don't know what I did this morning, which is changing diapers and doing the normal things everybody else does. But on that note, I'm a mom to three. I have two three-year-olds, one through the gift of adoption. I have a seven-year-old who I homeschool part-time. And I'm the CEO of a growing company called Cultivate What Matters, where we teach women to do just that, which is to uncover what truly matters in the big picture, to think big picture. It's a paradigm thinking shift and then to act like it today. And we do that through several products that we have in our online e-commerce store. Um, the main one is our Power Sheets Goal Planner. And I'm also the author of two books. I've been so grateful to write two books about my story. I'm an unlikely writer. I'm an unlikely gardener. I'm an unlikely CEO. But the books cultivate and make it happen. So how long have you had this business for? Well, I actually started uh, my company by starting Southern Weddings Magazine. And so did Southern Weddings for a decade and just recently retired that title to focus more on helping women in various stages of life through Cultivate What Matters, not just in the marrying stage of life. So I've actually been an entrepreneur for 15 years and did uh, Southern Weddings for 10 and I've been doing Cultivate for eight. Wow. So was there anything specific that caused the transition from one business to the other? Was it a Oh, yes. It's a, it's a big story. Um, and I'll tell you the nutshell version. You know, so like I said, I'm an unlikely gardener, <laughs> which means I've killed a whole lot of plants in my life. The fact that there are plants in my office is nothing short of a miracle. But truly, as you mentioned, Bob, your faith journey, it really was about my faith journey. I thought I was just really bad at taking care of plants. But as my faith grew through various experiences I've had over the course of my business career, I started to get this insatiable desire for growing things. And not just for growing things, but for tending to things little by little and for believing in what I couldn't see, for planting seeds and then believing that little by little progress, even imperfect progress could add up. So all that to say, when you grow two things together in a very tight space, and I've totally done this before. My first year of gardening was a complete disaster. I planted... <laughs> It's like so funny to think about. 
I planted 12 different kinds of tomatoes in one box, like one four by four box. I mean, see, you're laughing. Even people that aren't necessarily gardeners, they're like, duh, Laura, of course that didn't work. And I remember my gardening friend, Scott, who was the owner of this nursery at the time saying, Laura, you're not really going to have enough space in there for all those plants. I said, oh, sure, I will. And really, that was a reflection of my life. So there were a lot of factors that led us up to this point of feeling tension, owning two very busy and growing companies under one small roof. I've worked from home forever with a very small team of eight ladies. And we came to this point about a year and a half ago, two years ago, where Southern Weddings is growing like wildfire. And we could have kept going with that. If I would have kept going with it, it would have meant I would have had to take on a whole new team and do all these things that were going to essentially take me away from my children more. Mm. And on paper, it seemed like the right business move to make. You got two growing companies. You should just make one bigger and get a staff and hire someone else to run it. But it just didn't feel right. And so uh, long story short is through praying about it, through wrestling about it, through counsel from wise business leaders, we just came to the conclusion that, you know what, maybe we've actually done the work that we were given to do. Maybe this isn't about closing something. Maybe we've actually reached the finish line. And that's where my heart settled on a lot of peace. I thought to myself, yes, we've created this curated website of timeless content, timeless resources, issues that have articles that I hope my children will read when they get older. So we felt a lot of peace about saying no to one thing so that we could say an emphatic yes to putting all of our energy, all of our nutrients, if you will, into growing that one thing so it could be more fruitful. Mm. How long ago was that, that you made that decision? It was less than a year ago when we announced it to the public. We sat on it for a good eight months though, you know, and that's a whole nother story, but letting go of a dream, letting go of a business to do that with respect, to do that with love to all the people that have invested so much in you, it takes time to unwind it. So we wanted to honor our sponsor partners, honor our um, brides that were in that issue. This is our 10th anniversary issue was our last one. And so it would have felt abrupt if during our launch of that issue, we were to say, and by the way, this is our last one. <laughs> it would have distracted from the heart of that issue. We wanted that to just take root. And it did. And in June, I believe, of last year, we made that announcement to the public that we decided to write a new chapter. Wow. Scary and exciting at the same time. I mean, very scary. I'd say that if anyone's out there thinking, oh, I'm feeling that, whether it's taking a leap of faith from a full-time job into something new or um, a move or whatever it is, a leap of faith is a leap of faith for a reason. I think that term is what it is very intentionally because you literally leap off the ground. We want to stay grounded in our firm, pure footing on this earth. Sometimes we have to take that leap of faith, not knowing what's going to be on the next side. And we didn't. I didn't know how people were going to react to us retiring Southern Weddings. I didn't know, but I knew that this was the right move for me to love my family, to love people, to love our readers more, was to say a hard no to that. In your book, I love that you talked about exchanging fear for faith. Talk a little bit more about that because you know I think a lot of our audience, they have a direct sales network marketing business. Right. For most of them, it is really, it's a part-time thing. And I think a lot of them really do struggle with putting all of themselves into it to really mm -hmm. give their all. And fear is the thing that kind of keeps them 
But I love the conversation that you have around exchanging fear for faith. Can you talk a little bit more about what that means to you? Yes, my head is going everywhere because I feel very passionate about this particular subject at this particular time in my life. I've been studying what the word passion means. And it's interesting. We always think, and I don't know where this came from, that we can only be passionate about one thing, that we can only have one, you know, like you said, many people are doing this part-time. We can only have one thing in our lives that we can put all of our eggs into that basket, so to speak. And that's true. We can't do everything and do it well. But in studying what the word passion means, it's so funny because the root of that word actually means sacrifice. It means a little death. (laughs) You know, we talk about finding our passion. I don't think anybody really, really wants to find their passion because it does mean that you're going to have to give something up. It's the thing that you're so fired up about that you're willing to sacrifice for it. You're willing to lay your life down on the line for that thing. So when we're talking about, hey, I'm passionate about knitting. And guys, I'm passionate about gardening. So don't think that I'm saying knitting is not an awesome thing. It's awesome. My daughter and I love to knit together. But I think that we've gotten this word um, a little turned upside down. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. I've been thinking so much about what does it mean to live, the word I always use is a cultivated life. That means that I can be growing flowers on one side of my garden. I can be growing tomatoes on the other side and I can grow them really well. But it does mean that I'm going to have to give them time and attention and focus um, at some point, even if it just means touching on them a little bit here or there, I'm going to have to tend to that thing over time. Does it mean I have to be perfect at it? No. So this is where the fear comes in. We fear that if we don't wholeheartedly go after that thing, it's not going to grow. Or we fear that if we're not an expert in that thing, we won't be successful and it'll be a waste of time. I mean, there's so many things that we fear in a pursuit. The other thing is that the word fear, there are good fears, right? (laughs) There's like, you step up to a cliff, something in your body says, I should not take another step. That is a good fear. It keeps us, it prevents us from doing dumb stuff. But then there's this other type of fear. And this is the fear that I hope those that are listening, you really hear me on this. There's another type of fear that is about respecting something that tends to take control over us. So I'm going to unpack that really quickly. If you fear not being a great mom or a great dad, it means that you respect the role of motherhood and you respect the role of fatherhood so much that you want to do your best there. So, so sometimes that, that feeling that you have that you think is guilt or you think is fear is actually a respect. It's just a feeling of reverence for that thing. Here's where it turns bad though. If, for instance, you fear what other people are going to think of you, that's when it starts to turn negative. That's when you let other people have control over your identity and your worth. Um, instead of something that lasts. And so I think the first thing they need to do is get really curious and meet those fears. We have all these fears that kind of swim around in our heads every day, you know, like that cloud above Linus and the peanuts just kind of follows him everywhere, you know? And we so rarely give those fears a place, whether that means write it down on a scrap piece of paper, tell it to your best friend or your spouse, Just give it a place, write down, what exactly am I afraid of, you know? Sometimes just seeing those fears in black and white helps us to destroy them. And I always think to name your fears is to destroy them because then you can logically and with care and with thought find solutions to those things. Mm. 
I love that idea of naming your fears, right? Because we yeah. create these elaborate stories around the things that we're fearful of that yes. hold us yes. back. When we yep. put them on paper and we actually look at them, it becomes quite comical. The, the, these things yes. that are going on in our head, unconscious mm-hmm. to us, right? You're absolutely right. I love passion. I love you talking about passion because one of the things that impacted me the most that I learned actually from Tony Robbins is how passion and joy are only found in the realm of uncertainty. So many times <laughs> we cling to certainty we avoid our fears and that's why those things are so lacking. So I love what you're talking about, naming your fears, essentially following them, being willing to, you know, to kill a lot of plants on your way to become a gardener. (laughs) I think that that's really where we get lit up in life is in in that zone of kind of discomfort, but that's where growth happens. Yeah, it's it's funny. I don't know why this example came to mind, but I'm just going to go with it. So last year, (laughs) I decided to grow a giant pumpkin. And I'm laughing because it seemed like such a silly thing. Like, you know, those state fair size pumpkins. And I remember when I first put this out on Instagram or something saying, hey guys, I got the seed in my hand. I really want to grow a giant pumpkin this year. Isn't that crazy? I know that's so crazy, but I just, I feel this passion about it. I just want to do it. I just want to see it. And I think deep down, I'm so fascinated by the power and potential that can come out of one little seed. And I think it's the same with our lives. And so little by little over time, we did grow a giant pumpkin. We grew an 89 pound pumpkin. And I think my neighbors, I mean, I live in suburbia, you know, I don't live out in the country. They probably thought we were totally bonkers. (laughs) But I have to say that it was the most fun. It was so fun to be able to watch this little tiny, you know, thumbnail size seed take over our garden beds. I mean, it went down like 30 feet of vine. Wow. And it is just a neat thing to take a risk. I think that's kind of what you're getting at is you allow yourself to do something that feels a little crazy, but there's something in your your heart, something deep in you that just feels like, and I'm just speaking from my own perspective. I feel like I can let the Lord, I can make much of God in doing this. Mm -hmm. It's not about me. I think the times that I get things really twisted is when I'm taking a leap of faith to do something that's going to make much of me. Mm. And and that's when I start to get the fear of what people are going to think of me. And it just goes into the whole wrong realm. But yeah, Yeah. (laughs) my giant pumpkin. So you can literally grow a pumpkin that fast. They grow like in the course of a year. Yes, it's crazy. I I think it was like something like 71 days. Really? Yeah. And I mean, oh, I, gotta, I fed that dude. I've got to start him. using that as an analogy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it wasn't really overnight. The thing is you have to feed them so much. We gave this pumpkin like protein shakes, kind of like fertilizer shakes every day. Yeah. It's a job. That's really <laughs> hilarious. I'm stealing that story. By the way, so. Hey, let's talk about success. You know, I think where your, your message and our message in our community really line up is this idea of you talk about in your book, the trappings of chasing success. And we talk a lot about the achievement mindset where people, we get mm-hmm. so caught up, especially in the world of social media today, where it's just all about grinding and pushing and working. And you know, once you get that big promotion or have that success, that everything's just going to be fine. Life is going to be perfect. And how many times have we gotten to the top of that ladder only to realize that it wasn't exactly what we thought it was going to be? And we wind mm-hmm. up creating a, a business and a life that we don't love. Because I know you do a lot of great work in that area of the trappings of that mindset. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Just this morning, my team and I were reading a really great book called Essentialism together. Mm-hmm. 
excellent book. And he talks about how sometimes, many times, success is actually the thing that distracts us most from what made us successful in the first place. So when we rise to a level of whatever it is, you know, any level of perceived success, when we focus so much on the success part and not on the efforts and the heart and the mission and the why and the connecting with people and what we always call the the profit of people, we really lose sight of it. And then suddenly it becomes this machine that we're constantly chasing. Think, okay, I've got to 100,000 newsletter subscribers now, or I've gotten XYZ number of sales. Now we need to go to the next level. But you know, there's nothing wrong with, with growth, but when you lose that secret sauce and you start to focus more on these external measures, it really can sidetrack you. So in, in my story, I think this has happened multiple times, but mostly in the beginning, the very beginning of creating Southern Weddings, for instance, it was a kind of a quick road to quote unquote, I'm using air quotes, success. In my mind, success at the time was more numbers, more followers, bigger business, more speaking engagements, more travel. I was like checking off all the boxes. And you know how that left me feeling? I really was feeling I was getting a lot done, but the only thing that felt done was me. I felt exhausted. And then suddenly that pursuit of success left me feeling like I couldn't really do a whole lot well. You know, I was working 24-7. My work was suffering. And I, I was like, we've all been there in those moments of feeling like, how do I climb out of this burnout? How do I climb out of this overwhelm? Sometimes you really have to put the train brakes on and stop and say, hold up. And you don't ask yourself, why did I get into this in the first place? You really have to ask yourself, what, what, what right here in front of my face have I been given to cultivate? whether it is the emails in my inbox, the relationships right in front of me, the dollars that are in the bank account right this minute, um, what good could I do with these particular things? Because I think where we get lost, Bob, is when we start to think of what can I add to my plate? What can I pursue that's outside of me? Instead of, wait a minute, what, what are these seeds that are in my hand right now that I've been given to plant? We kind of miss it. It's always just about that next level, that next thing. It, it never stops. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. And I don't know why I keep talking about gardening with you. I don't know why you have plants in your office. I see them. Maybe that's why. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, my garden even goes through seasons. Here in North Carolina, where I am, we don't grow flowers all four seasons long. There are at least a whole season of winter where there's nothing outside. And it's the same thing with our businesses. It's the same thing with these pursuits that we have. They have to have seasons so that we can grow well. And good things, they grow in season. Like to give you an example, our business, we are a very cyclical business. So the majority of our sales happen in Q4. And that is goal setting time for people. It's on their brains. That's just when it's all happening. And usually right now is our season of kind of digging into what's going to be new for the year. What are our plans for the year ahead? I cannot go full force with Q4 after Q4 after Q4. I would burn myself out. And so it's the same thing. When you're really looking at a true picture of success, I mean, I could wax poetic about finding your why and, and you know the heart behind which you're doing it. But part of that is also the structure within which you're doing it and making sure that you do have a time to pull back and you're not just forcing yourself and pushing and pulling. Yeah, nothing really grows well when you do that. Yeah, so... Essentially, what you're saying is that 
and I've, I'm paraphrase what I've heard you say already is downtime and really being able to set boundaries around when you are and aren't working is, is critical to productivity, right? Because so many, so many people in our audience, they think in order for them to be a great leader, they have to be on 24 seven. Yeah, right? nope. It's this like limiting belief and it's, it's just, it does cause burnout. I mean, how important, they've heard me say it, but I want to have them hear you say it from your perspective. <laughs> this is like what you do every day. How important is it for them to be able to really create boundaries around that time? Yeah, and I'll first start by saying I don't like rest. <laughs> you know, I'm a high achieving person. I don't like when someone says, Laura, just be still. I'm like, no, I need, I have things to do. Don't say that to me. So I'll first say I get it. I really do get it because I feel like there's so much good to be done in the world. There's so many wonderful things I want to create in the world. I have three kids, like, we're always doing stuff. But here's what I have learned specifically this year is that if you are not refueling yourself at the well, how are you going to fill anybody else? So if we are constantly, and I see this happening in our culture right now, especially the online world, and I'm imagining the direct sales world too, if we're constantly filling our minds and our ears with other people's perception of how we're going to be successful, true success never has a chance to get a word in. And from my perspective, the most powerful inspiration I've had is from my daily life experiences. And so you said, you know, downtime. I feel like I always cringe when I hear that word too. And I'll reframe downtime for us, which I feel like downtime is whatever is most filling for, you know, you as a person that you're, as you're listening. But I always think about it as active rest. Like I'm not the kind of person that likes to sit around and, you know, watch TV. It just, I feel like it actually drains me more than fills me back up. But if I'm very intentional about the places I'm putting my eyes, my mind, and my ears, and I am being filled with the right things and allowing myself to unwind, there's a lot of studies about how, (laughs) I'm going to go back to my knitting example, even things like I'm using your fingers while you're trying to process an idea or process a project can actually lead to really incredible breakthroughs, whether that's, you know, working out or, you know, doing something with your hands like knitting or cooking or something that is actually a passive activity. Those things are restful because they allow your brain to function in a different sector. So (laughs) how do you do it? I love your distinction of active rest because I think for the high performer that we can grab onto that more. I I love that. Yes. Because I'm with you. I just feel like, I don't know about just plain old motionless, purposeless rest, I'll say. I think that you really do have to be intentional about rest because I can certainly leave a whole day where I've had no plans and feel more exhausted than I do on a day when I've had a set structure. But I also think, I mean, for me, we follow the traction model in our business, which is essentially about having two main leader roles in the company, one as the visionary, which is me, and one as the integrator. And just like a a 101 on that means that the visionary is in charge of what it sounds like, having a big picture vision for the company, and then the integrator is the one who integrates, who makes it happen. So for me, knowing that about my role and my specific skill sets, I have to refuel myself with things that point to big picture vision. Um, So I also think it's important for each person as an individual to know what is it that actually fires me up and fuels me to do my best work, to make relationships that matter, to give of my talents. What's it going to take? Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. 
Let's shift gears for a little bit because I want to make sure we have enough time to talk about this. The one thing that when I first was looking at your website, I first found out about you. It was like, you got to go check out Cultivate What Matters. The saying that jumped out at me that I was like, I need to look at this closer was choose purpose over perfect. I thought that was so good because in our community, we talk a lot about purpose and we have this kind of crazy idea that network marketing, and I could say this about any business, but really it's an assignment from God. And the assignment is to help us grow as a person and as a, as a spiritual being by facing our fears. Mm. But one of the benefits of that is discovering really the purpose for our lives and being able to be more purpose-driven in the way that we approach our business. And I know you have a lot of wisdom in that area. I know you have a story about kind of how faith came to become a part of your message and what you do. But could you talk mm-hmm. a little bit about what does choose purpose over perfect mean to you? Yeah, I love that that stood out to you. It really does dovetail off of part of my story that I just shared, which is it is really easy to chase all the wrong things. And it is really easy to compare your life to someone else's highlight reel. We always say that, right? Um, but it's true. I think whether we intentionally know we're doing it or unintentionally, we are we're feeding ourselves imagery and stories of other people's success. We're looking up to these people. And it leaves so much room for comparison and dissatisfaction. But the tricky thing about that is that it doesn't allow us to see what our unique purpose and path is. And I really think that the most radical thing we can do is to walk our own unique path. The most radical thing we can do is to say, this is what I was created for. This is what I want to do. And I'm just going to walk it. But until then, we tend to try to walk other people's paths, right? And that's fine. It's always good to have leaders that you can look up to. But for me in my faith journey, it was that period of overworking, of being burned out 24-7. And this is a much longer story than I have time to tell everybody now, but I'll tell you the really short version, which is that our marriage, my marriage with my husband Ari, went through a very difficult time. And when I say very difficult, I mean like bottom of the barrel difficult years that were exceedingly challenging. And through God's truly amazing grace. And I don't just use that as like a Christianese term, like it's a real thing. And it really changed to real people. Our lives were flipped upside down. And that didn't happen overnight. It was a very slow, but powerful process for us. In that, I had to surrender so much of my life. I had to surrender the fact that, you know what, my worth is not in my work. My worth is not about how many followers I have on Twitter or how much is in my bank account or how many speaking engagements I'm doing, any of that. I really started to grow an authentic relationship with the Lord at that time and give up that identity that I felt so stuck in. Because I felt like, and that's where choose purpose over purpose comes in. It didn't happen overnight for me. And I mean, it's a continual process for me now. I haven't arrived at a destination, but perfect to me is what I was chasing. I was chasing somebody else's idea of what a perfect life looked like. If I could rise to, like you said, Bob, the, this level of success, if I could only get to this point, then I would finally be enough. And well, that point just never came. I felt this pit in my stomach, this dissatisfaction constantly. And that's in the time when my marriage was also feeling that same emptiness. And both of us had to stop and say, well, this is not working. You know, clearly we're still together, but maybe we should consider something else. And that something else for me was growing my faith, 
for him. He eventually came to church with me once or twice. But again, this is like a, a long story that happened over time. It was not overnight. Around the time of our five-year anniversary edition, fifth anniversary of Southern Weddings, you know, we had really been focusing on what was happening in other parts of the world and bringing that to the South in our mag because we were looking at someone else's idea of perfect. We would look at what's happening in weddings in California, what's happening in weddings in millions of places. And many things that happened during this year around our fifth anniversary issue uh, that led to this. But we thought, wait a minute, what if we focused on the magic of the South? It's just like when you go to Tokyo, for instance, Levi's jeans are such a hot commodity because they're a piece of Americana that a consumer can hold. And it wasn't just about a pair of jeans. It was a lifestyle. It was, there was a persona around those jeans and that's why they're so popular there. And I thought to myself, that's exactly what people think about the South. There's something about being here and the charm and the majesty of going through these Spanish oaks and my own personal family heritage that was here and all these wonderful, humble stories of my grandfather growing up on a farm with 11 brothers and sisters and working as a sharecropper, so many stories came to life. So around that same time, like I said, my marriage started to come back together. And we decided that the heart of that five-year anniversary issue was going to be Love Never Fails. Now, we knew that it wasn't about our love that never fails. We're always going to fail in our love for each other. But for my husband and I, we knew that it was God's love that never fails. And we didn't say that in this issue, but that was the heart from which we created it. And that issue was the reason why we got a contract with Southern Living Magazine. We partnered with them that year. There was something in the editorials, the passion with which we spoke about this. There was a magic in that issue. And it was because it was a reflection of our hearts, not just my husband and I, but my team catching on to what was right in front of us. Like we talked about those seeds, like the things that are happening right in front of us are magical. And I always say our unofficial office motto is if you're not excited about it, no one's going to be excited about it. And when we got really excited about what was happening here and what was happening in our hearts and the idea that you could write a new love story, no matter what's happened to you in the past, everybody else caught on too. And that's when our business just really took a turn. And also around that time, people were asking me for business advice. They saw the growth that we had. I was very overwhelmed one day and I thought, Ooh, I have so many things on my plate. I have this growing business. I had just had a baby. My marriage is back together. I have a Facebook page that I haven't touched in like 15 years, you know? So, I mean, at the gamut of things, I sat down at my desk one day and I took out a blank piece of paper and I said, okay, I am super frustrated when I get to the end of every year. And I think back and I think I could have made progress on things that really matter to me in the big picture. If I just would have tended to them little by little, I'm going to rewind for us. This is also, again, the time when I thought to myself, huh, plants. I've never been good at that. Maybe I should, I want to try a plant. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, just to kind of wrap this up here, that is when our business took off. And I created the first set of power sheets, which is what that tending list of random things turned into. And that led me to now, I, I mean, I really believe that we do women's ministries, what we do. At the heart of it, we're not a company that's going to post Bible verses online all the time, you know, but underneath it all, that's where my work comes from, mm. is wanting other women, not just women, but um, we do specifically focus on women, wanting women to not feel that same pit of despair that I did before. 
thinking that they had to chase something that was uncatchable. Wow. It's okay. My audience is probably about 97 women. <laughs> is it? So it's pretty okay, much just great. me and the girls hanging out. Every cool, podcast. cool. Hey, it's a good crowd. It's a good crowd. <laughs> we're, we're, that's we're, awesome. We chatted a little bit before we went live here about this concept of identity. And I hear this from a lot of our listeners in our community where you know they are strong in their faith and they do really believe that God is directing them in what they do in their personal life, but they struggle with... They've got this identity of themselves in their family and their faith and then their business. They feel like they need to be someone that they're not. And I think it causes this kind of internal kind of battle between like, I don't know how these two pieces fit together. And if I'm hearing you correctly, it sounds Mm -hmm. like once you were able to bridge those two things together. And I want to quote something that you said in the book. And by the way, if you want to Laura tells that story and make it happen, right? Was that your first book, Make It Happen? That was the one that I read. Tell that whole, and it was really, really inspiring to hear that journey. But I love what you say. You say your work is something that you do, not your purpose. Your purpose doesn't go to work. It goes to love, which I love that because in our community, I teach a philosophy that we call legacy leadership and Legacy leadership is putting love at the foundation and God at the foundation mm. of your business. It sounds to me like what came out of that for you is you were finally looking at your business through a different perspective and you were truly authentic in the work and the message, right? Yeah. So it was one identity, who you were inside and outside. It, it, would that be accurate in saying that that kind of was the shift for you? Most definitely. I kind of came to this point where I thought, you know, if I lost my company, if I lost my business, if I lost all of this, just went poof, would I lose my purpose? Would I lose my worth in this world? Or would I lose my ability to use these gifts and talents that I know the Lord has given me to use? No, the answer is no. You know, just like I, I shared in the book, our purpose isn't tied to our title, a vocation, someone else's perceived idea of what success is. Our worth is really about whose we are with a capital W, and that's God's. Here's what's cool about it, though, is that we get to, we don't have to, we get to use these gifts and talents that we have been innately gifted. And sometimes, yes, I feel that it's fuzzy for me. Like, what are those things? I don't know. But I'd say that every day you got to wake up and you got to just look at the things that have been entrusted to you right in front of you. And you have to say, all right, what needs tending? It's just like I go outside in my yard and I have to just, I have to first take a look and say, okay, yeah, those tomatoes need some pruning and I need to fertilize these flowers over here. The same thing with our lives. Our purpose is multifaceted. The way we get to play that out every day is really dependent on our talents. But anytime you get lost, it's just to say, all right, what has been entrusted to me now? What's outside of me in some faraway land when I feel like I have it all together? But what do I have right now? And how can I use that well? Mm. Powerful, powerful. I'm curious, has Cultivate What Matters, has the message always been faith-focused and and God-focused in terms of the way that you communicate to your audience? It hasn't. And I, I think what's interesting is, we've talked a lot about this lately, that we really do want the majority of our messaging, and when I say our, I mean Cultivate What Matters, the company, to be very inclusive. Like we really do want any woman of any faith to feel comfortable, to feel like she's got a trusted safe space where she can be whoever she wants to be. And hopefully she will see us living our lives from a faith-centered place and get curious about where our hope comes from. 
I mean, that's very unique to us. Like we don't claim to be a Christian goal setting company. Like there's no faith references in power sheets. But if you do want that, my books are definitely gospel centered. The podcast is definitely gospel centered. So the aim, the goal is to create a safe space, a space where we can become trusted friends, just like I have in my real life. I have lots of friends that are not believers that don't go to my church, but I love them and I pour into them. And um, it shouldn't be any different than what we do with our online world and you know what we do with our businesses. Mm. I love that because it's being the living representation of Christ yes. and God's love, right? Absolutely. And you know, it plays out in such interesting ways. We always think doing business as ministry, that means that you're sharing Bible verses all the time. No, it is in the way that we interact with people in our customer service inbox. It's in the way we will take time to listen to someone. One of our core values is the power of one. And that means that if someone has like, we don't just get, hey, my order's lost in our inbox. We get existential life questions in our customer service inbox. Taking the time to thoughtfully and carefully answer those things, I hope without spewing the Bible on them, shows them the character of God inside of us and wants them to come back for more and wants them, helps them to want to build a relationship with us because we definitely want that with them. Mm. I'm asking this question for personal reasons because my audience knows this has been a journey that I've been on recently. And was it scary for you at all when you first started this kind of down this path? Was there any trepidation or you just... (laughs) <laughs> yes. I mean, she's laughing right to this now. Day, <laughs> to this day, it's always scary. It's just like you said, when you are living on purpose, it means that there are inherent leaps of faith because the more and more you grow in your faith walk to the more you rely. And I don't claim at all to be near perfect at this. The more you are forced to rely on God's power, not your own. Like I always come back to this. There's this quote that says she believed she could and so she did. And you could put he in there too, whatever you want. But I don't know, that quote just always rubbed me the wrong way. I thought, you know, more power to people for like getting confidence and whatever. But the real truth of the matter is she believed she couldn't and so God did. Mm. I think about that in not just in business, of course, but in all of life is that, yes, I am constantly fearing that next leap of faith. but. Like we talked about before, fear is when you give respect to something. And I have to stop in those moments of fearing what other people think or fearing the ramifications of something and give that fear, give that respect to God. Mm. And that's when the power gets taken off of me. It's not about me producing something perfect. It really is like, okay, Lord, I'm just going to go with you here. Like I had this happen this past December. I was just thinking about it this morning. We got an email, got an opportunity to write a a reading plan for the Version Bible app. And this was like on December 4th and it was due in 24 hours if we wanted to have it come out before New Year's. And we were all like, um, that's impossible. And then we thought to ourselves, no, it's not. Because I believe that if we get this out before New Year's, hopefully women are going to get into the word. They're going to see what his truth is about scripture, all this. And so, yeah, I had a lot of fear about that, but I can't claim any responsibility for the fact that that actually happened because in 24 hours, we put the plan out and over a hundred thousand people have downloaded it so far. And I mean, truly, I just, I think back to that experience, all of us thought the same thing. We're like, that was clearly from the Lord. Like that was not our effort. Wow. That's incredible. That's so amazing. So final thing here, I want to kind of wrap this up. We're getting close to uh, an hour. One of the things that 
and I'd like to just kind of hear your perspective on this is so many times we do what you were talking about, right? We trade, I feel like we trade our authenticity for the approval of others. We're so afraid of, of we want to try to be everything to everybody. And we wind up not really being bold in what we stand for and we don't stand out. But I think the bigger message is people that allow fear to keep them kind of playing small in their life, right? Not serving at the level that we're called to serve and loving people the way that we are called to love. I love how you told the story of, I think it was your trainer, Ray, who <laughs> challenged you when you were struggling with your identity of who am I to be a trainer. He shared with you, I think you said that helping people is worth far more than your doubts. And I remember reading that and thinking, wow, how powerful advice is that? Because we're sometimes we become so selfish and we forget that we're called to more and we get stuck in our own little, all our stories and our fears. And we forget that there are a lot of people out there in the world today that are hurting and they mm-hmm. need someone that can be the light for them. Could you maybe just kind of wrapping up here, talk a little bit about what that means to you and at the point in your life are right now? Yeah. And I have to start by saying, I keep thinking about, I have so many friends that are in direct sales and I have to say they're some of the most powerful, passionate, loving people that I know. One in particular, million dollar saleswoman for Mary Kay. And I just think about the one-to-one real life relation. I have chills talking about this real life connections that she has had over the years with so many people. and. Yes, she sold a million dollars in product in one year, but I have a feeling that she probably affected a whole lot more lives than that through her just passion for loving people. So yeah, I, you know, I've been thinking about this so much, even today, just how selfish I can be, like you mentioned, like selfish I can be of thinking about what am I going to get out of this or how is this going to affect our bottom line or whatever it is, where is this going to leave me feeling physically, emotionally, spiritually, but you never know. You know, I just have to speak directly to everybody listening. You never know if that one relationship that you have with the person that's going to buy one thing from you, and that's the only thing they're ever going to buy from you. If that is like the one relationship that you were put in this role for, Mm. like if that one thing you think, oh, well, they only bought like one thing and they're never going to come back. But did you use that relationship as an opportunity to affect that person's life? Did you pour into that relationship anyway? That's where I keep coming back to the profit of people. And, you know, on the flip side of that, and and I really don't mean this in a businessy way, but you also never know where that relationship will lead you in your business, even if they don't ever buy anything else from you. I've had this happen so many times in business where my doubts, to use that phrase, my doubts about my ability to affect someone's life, my doubts about my expertise in something. And I mean, I have these doubts all the time. My business acumen isn't as good as so-and-so, my sale, whatever, anything, you know, my mothering, anything. When I let those things get in the way, I am blinded to the blessings and the opportunities to be able to serve someone right in front of my face. And, you know, you you have to really flip it on yourself. Think to yourself of the time when you were having a rough time, you were having a rough day, and someone just smiled at you in the grocery store or like opened a door for you and they had no idea that you were like at your wits end and that one little gesture or someone gave you something for free at the grocery store because they messed up your order. I don't know, whatever it is. You just never know if 
that person needs you more than you need them. Mm. So powerful. We, we teach people to practice random acts of love and generosity. Mm talking about it's the small little, it's things like that, that make a life and that really bring fulfillment yeah. and joy. And I know I've found that in my life. It's, it's the little things where at the end of the day, it doesn't matter in that moment, but over time we create a life through these little things that we do. I think that's- Yeah. You know, I can't help but think of my husband in this, that he works at the cancer hospital here at UNC and he, it's really a long story, but he basically does plumbing in the body. <laughs> okay. He uses guided imagery and he, he's a radiologist, but he works mostly with liver cancer patients and a lot of like terminal stuff. And I just love when he comes home and he doesn't tell me about how many great procedures he did. He doesn't tell me about research papers he got published. When he comes home and he is fired up to tell me that he got to pray with a patient, mm. that he had an opportunity, ugh, she like makes me want to cry, that he had an opportunity to sit with a family while they learned about a diagnosis and pray over them. Wow. I mean, those are the things that they feel so devastating. They feel like failure sometimes when you're sitting there with that family, you're grieving with them, you're mourning with them, or, or you're sitting there with someone who's desperate and just needs a friend and someone to listen to. It's not going to affect your, they call it RVUs, like these points in your job that get you your bonus. You know what I mean? But like you said, Bob, that's what a life is made of. Yeah. We can view, like you say, our work through the perspective of it being a vehicle, right? It's not our identity. It's a vehicle to allow us to love and serve and grow ourselves. I think that's where yeah. the true joy and fulfillment comes, which I think is the secret sauce for success. Yes, so. totally agree. And it makes it so much more fun and fulfilling. Yeah, definitely. So, well, Laura, listen, I want to thank you for being here. I can't wait until my audience hears this. I know they're going to absolutely love this. I'll make sure that we put all this in the show notes, but definitely you need to go out. You need to read. The book that I read of yours was Make It Happen. I know your most recent book is called Cultivate. I haven't gotten to that one yet, but definitely check out those two. And where else is it best for people to find out more about you? Yeah, you can find me at cultivatewhatmatters.com or find me on my podcast at cultivateyourlife.com. Awesome. Well, we'll link both of those in the show notes. And once again, Laura, thanks for being here today. Oh, it was a joy. Thank you so much. All right. Well, I hope that you thoroughly enjoyed that interview with Lara. Like I said, I just, when I first heard her message, I said, man, she would be the perfect person to introduce to my community. I have a sneaky suspicion a lot of you probably were already familiar with her, but I just want to urge you if you've not heard of her company, Cultivate What Matters, take the time, go check her out. We'll put the link to her website in the show notes. And I strongly urge you check out some of her books. I've read one of them so far. I was absolutely blown away, but love Lara. Want to thank her again for being on the podcast and making a contribution into our community. So hope you got a lot of value out of the message today. Hey, look, let me know. I, I love hearing from all of you. The best place to reach out to me and let me know you've been loving the show is on Instagram. Shoot me a DM, take a screenshot of this episode on your phone. If you liked it, tag me in it. If you tag me in an episode, I normally share it on my social media. So, hey, might be a way for you to get a couple extra followers. That can never hurt any help that you can get. So, but in any event, thanks for being here. I love all of you. Appreciate you. And I'll see you soon on the next episode. 